So welcome to our ongoing series of Icons of Relocation podcast. My name is Simon Johnston. I'm the CEO of Icon Relocation, a provider of world-leading home search, moving technology and property management solutions. And today I'm delighted to be talking to one of the leading immigration providers in the UK, a long-term friend and an expert regarding work permits. Now, with the growing numbers of assignees coming to the UK, I'm really excited to be working with uh, my guest today and finding ways to improve and enhance our services together. I'm, of course, talking to Raoul Batra from Hudson Mackenzie. Great to have you with us today. How are you? Likewise, Simon. Pleasure to be on this podcast with you today. Yeah, it's fantastic. And there's so many things to talk about. I'm actually generally quite excited to get into some of them. Um, but before we do that, I appreciate that some people might not know yourself and Hudson Mackenzie. Could you sure. just walk us through a little bit about yourself and your company? Sure. Um, hello, everyone. As Simon uh, mentioned, um, my name is Rahul Batra and I'm the managing partner at Hudson McKenzie. We provide both UK inbound and outbound immigration services across the world, uh, pretty much across 150 countries. Um, our USP is pretty much our response times because we are known in the industry that how, how quickly we respond to clients. And I think we've built upon that organically over the years. And what we have realized is that there's a big market out there for clients who, who need that handheld support and who, who need that responsiveness from their immigration providers. And we'd like to build this further. And hence, I'm with Simon on this podcast today. Yeah, fantastic. I have to say, we worked together for a very long time. And obviously, you, know, you are a friend, but the response and the quality of the service has been outstanding, which is why it's so great to work with you. Now, I appreciate we could talk about many different aspects as far as immigration is concerned in countries, but let's just focus on the UK uh, at the moment just to give it a centre. Um, now, if a company was perhaps moving their first person to the UK, they, they hadn't done this before, could you perhaps walk us through what would be the procedure in regard to applying for and securing that first work permit and perhaps some of the ongoing steps thereafter? Sure. So there is a new visa category which was launched earlier this year and it's called the Global Mobility Expansion Worker Visa. What that means is that you are sending somebody to the UK as your first person who is coming to set up your shop here in the UK. One of the conditions of this visa is that you must not have a running operation in the UK when the person applies for the visa and they must be a senior employee of your company overseas. So when they come to the UK, they can apply for something called a sponsor license. And once they apply for a sponsor license, then they can bring more people in on work permits, skilled worker visas or intra-company transfer visas from overseas. But this route is has been there for a long time. The name changed earlier this year. But I feel from, from a growth perspective in the UK, it really plays a nice part where you know, you can bring someone over without any investment, without creating any jobs. So it's the thresholds very low for everything else. And it really helps companies to grow in the UK as their as the first uh, operation. So you say so sponsor license. So how do you sort of get the sponsor license? What are the criteria to, to apply for or secure that status? Sure. There is a misnomer out there in the industry and across clients that you cannot apply for a sponsor license if you are a startup organization. That's completely wrong. I I come across so many clients all the time who think it's the case, but you 
even if you're a startup, you could have opened the company yesterday. You could have still apply for a sponsor license. There are certain documents which you have to provide when you apply for a sponsor license. For example, you have to show a UK bank account for the company. You have to show um, employer's liability insurance, which in any case you would get when you apply when you open a company. So when you put together these documents, you complete an application form. You send it across to the home office and they normally decide the application within 12 to 13 weeks, but there's a fast track service available where you, if you pay an extra 500 pounds to the home office, they tend to decide the application within 10 working days. Wow. So that's very quick. And we've helped several companies who've set up their first shop in the UK apply for sponsor licenses. And it really helps them grow after that because the sponsor license is a blanket license for the company. You don't have to keep applying every time you have to sponsor someone. Although you have to apply for a work permit for them under that sponsor license. OK, so once you've got the sponsor license and you are remaining in the UK, that is good for you for the rest of your time of trading here in the country. Absolutely. OK, brilliant. So you get that set up. That sounds quite straightforward and quite quick. What about the individual? So they then want to move some of their top talent to the UK. What is the process for securing the work permit for that individual? So once you have a sponsor license, so there are two types of sponsor licenses. One is a skilled worker sponsor license and one is a global mobility sponsor license. Um, so when you apply for a sponsor license, we always recommend clients to apply for both categories if they have an overseas entity, because what that does is it gives them freedom to hire new, new talent into the organization, but also to move existing talent from your overseas entity to the UK entity. So if you have both categories, then it really helps you bring people over. Um, like I said earlier, it could be somebody new to the company altogether who hasn't worked for your organization before. Or you are just moving staff over from different entities across the world. Right. So it doesn't have to be an existing employee. So it, if there was, I think, historically, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, you used to have to have a period of time working for that some company before you can move them across as a intercompany transfer, but that wouldn't be the case in this scenario? It is. So intra-company transfer, the name has been changed to Global Mobility Visa. So it's still the same. You have to have worked for your overseas entity for at least 12 months before you move to the UK. But if your salary is above 73,900, then you don't have to have worked for the overseas entity for 12 months. All right, so I say, say that income again over what threshold? So if your UK income is 73,900 and above, right. then you don't have to have worked for 12 months overseas. Okay, that's really interesting. And how long will the work permit application take? I mean, how long should somebody plan for? So UK uh, normally is the quickest across the world. And if, if I compare a UK application to US application, it's sure. totally different. US can take months. With, with the UK, you're looking at a couple of days because every time you have a fast track service available, which they did um, stop during Ukraine war, but now they've, they've started back again. So if you pay for the fast track service, you could pretty much have your visa in a couple of days time. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what's very exciting about this is, is obviously you and I work together uh, a mm -hmm. lot. Um, and one of the, the areas which is uh, worth exploring for a second is that if somebody's bringing the top talent over, it is a real combination of you and us, isn't it? In the sense of 
You are, I think, without question, the best uh, in regards to securing the immigration, but also at the same time, we can work with a client to make sure that they're settling in, the landing is good, they know where they're going to live, we can sort out the accommodation, we can make sure the family is sorted out. So it really is a sort of combined package, isn't it? The, the dream is to really bring those two together at the same time to make that experience amazing. Uh, you're absolutely spot on, Simon, because whenever we have done service with our clients, uh, especially clients who are new to the UK, the first thing they ask is, can you offer a one-stop service? Because they don't want to be left all by themselves. And just we do the immigration bit and say, here you are, go on your own and find your, find your relocation package. A really good point. Um, what are you seeing outside that sort of scenario? Is there any sort of trends in immigration that you're seeing during this year? Or perhaps another way of putting it, are there any problem areas that are worth exploring, discussing here on the immigration process? Well, what we've realized over the last few months is that the Home Office has a huge backlog. Obviously, with the Ukraine war didn't help and Brexit didn't help either because there were influx of applications. So in-country applications where you don't buy a fast track service is taking a very long time. So I always recommend clients spend that extra 500 or 800 pounds for the fast track or the super fast track service because you will have your application decided within five days or 24 hours as the case may be. Don't do not apply uh, under the normal route because it could just go in a black hole and unfortunately there's nothing much we can do because clients always come to us and say you know, can you call the home office? Can you push for it? But to be honest, there's nobody on the other side to call. We can simply email a generic email address. We get generic responses. So there's no human being out there in the home office who we could simply pick the phone up and say, can you hurry up? Right. And clients need to understand that we are not here to, you know, throw a magic wand and say, okay, here, here, here's the application decided for you. They need to understand that sometimes they have to pay a bit extra to the home office to get a quick decision. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you would have thought the cost for a fast track would actually be higher. And I'm not denoting the fact that there is quite a sizable cost, but the difference in the service and the speed is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, so it really is the, the moral here is really ensure that you go for the fast track service. And if you get the Absolutely. fast track service, the whole process can go through at a speed that is beyond what you would expect from many other locations globally. Absolutely, and UK is a pioneer in that, and I, I must I must congratulate them for how quick they are, especially when you pay the fast track service. So, like I said, if you pay eight hundred pounds, which is for an in-country application, you get the decision in twenty-four hours. Nowhere in the world you would get decision that quickly. Wow, that's extraordinary, isn't it? That's something to be yeah. proud of. And actually, this is something that I don't think is getting much publicity. If I'm honest about it, if, if you you hear and you look at the press and you you see what's going on, there was a general feeling that this is a sluggish process or an inefficient process, but actually the issue here is just know how to do the process correctly. This is where you come in, isn't it? And it's just making sure that people know how to actually put the application in correctly in the right format. Yes, I think with the media, obviously there's a political string attached to it and you know, sure. one party is trying to bring down the other. So there's always yeah. that tug of war between political parties. And I think we all should come above it and you know see how we can assist our assignees in the most seamless manner where yes we offer these fast track services make them understand how the system works because when we take on a client we just don't say okay here's our fee take it or leave it you know we offer them a free consultation we understand their pain points we like to understand what is it that they want to achieve in in growth terms and what is it they want to achieve 
from from having a partnership with an immigration firm like us. So we devise a plan which works for them, not that they have to work around us. So yeah. we don't sit in ivory towers where, you know, we say take it or leave it. And here's here's a fee list in the first call. So I think that gives clients a comfort factor where they understand, you know, what the pain, what the problem is. We understand what their pain points are and then make a plan for them. Yeah, I, I would echo that totally. It's just why it's a pleasure working with you. Actually, just a quick question. I'm thinking about it. So we, we have these sort of the, the top talent coming over to the UK. The average work permit is what, three years, would you suggest, is the average length of a stay here or beyond? But what would be the process if somebody has a work permit application and they want to stay longer or there's a change of circumstances? Is that a relatively straightforward issue to address? Yeah. So a work permit could pretty much be granted from one day up to five years. So it doesn't have to be three years, although the visa fees which have been decided by the Home Office are for three years or five years. And that's why people think it's either three years or five years, but you can apply for any duration of length for the work permit. When you apply for, say, one year or two years of work permit, you can always extend that visa up to five years. So you're not you're not kind of disadvantaged by applying for a shorter length initially. So you can always cover up and apply for extension within the country. OK, and that's a straightforward process. It's a straightforward process. Uh, there's a difference between a skilled worker visa and global mobility visa. So on a skilled worker visa, you can apply for something called indefinite leave to remain after you have lived and worked in the UK for five years. Whilst on a global mobility visa, you cannot apply for indefinite leave to remain. You have to go back to the country, um, your home country, unless you, you earn a certain threshold, you can keep extending your visa up to nine years. But as far as I remember, that threshold's very high. It's about 150,000. So not everybody earns that salary. Um, so the chances of people staying for up to nine years is very less. OK. OK, another question as well relating to this. We've been talking about the relocating assignee, but what about the dependents? Is there that a relatively straightforward process for husbands, wives, children? Is there anything that we need to know in that area? Yes, so again, I, I'd like to congratulate the UK government on how seamless they have made the process for the dependents, because de as opposed to other countries, UK is the easiest to bring your dependents over. So dependents are normally your spouse and children under the age of 18. So they can come over on a dependent visa. And the good thing is they can work whilst they are here. So don't have to apply for a separate work permit or any kind of permission. They can start working from day one, the moment they land in the UK. It's amazing. One question I kept getting asked by a lot of clients is, can they bring their parents over on a dependent visa, yep. which unfortunately isn't allowed. So it's it's only spouse and children under the age of 18. And how do you define spouse? Spouse, I, I had a client who wanted to bring, he was, he was a Saudi client, he wanted to bring two wives over from Saudi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I said, sorry, you, the UK immigration rules don't allow you to bring two wives over. You have to choose which wife you have to bring over. So <laughs> he brought one wife on a dependent visa and the other wife as a visitor. So that was a one-off case. I'm not saying everyone's <laughs> got the luxury of having two wives. Um, but then spouse uh, is classed as your wife, your husband, uh, even your unmarried partner, if you've lived together for at least two years overseas. Okay, 
So two years is the threshold issue. So you've got to be able to prove that you have lived together for two years. That's only for unmarried partners. If you're right. married, then you don't have to show that you've lived together for two years. No issues. And if you have uh, children coming over, but some of them are over 18, but might be doing further education within the UK, does that raise any complications? Yes, it does. So if you're over 18, you wouldn't be classed as a dependent and you cannot come on a dependent visa. What normally people tend to do is if they have children above the age of 18, they would bring them over on their own student visas so that they can carry on in the UK and just be here whilst they are here. Um, I'd like to make a clarification here. So if you have a child who came into the UK, say he or she was 16 or 17, and by the time you apply for extension, they have already turned 18, you can still apply for extension for them because what the rule says is that if you initially entered the UK as a dependent, you can apply for an extension even though you are not a dependent anymore. Okay, so again, it's incredibly user-friendly. It's very so. user-friendly. Yeah, and you'd be surprised, like, uh, if I compare this to US, yeah. a dependent cannot go and work in the UK without applying for something called an EAD, which stands for Employment Authorization Document, and it takes several months to get an EAD. Um, so if I compare here to the UK, the moment the spouse steps in in the UK, they can start working from day one. So it's a win-win situation um, for the assignee and the dependent as well. This is a very good reason why more people need to relocate to the UK, don't they? Absolutely, absolutely. I think we we need to promote UK as a favoured destination. You know what? I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I know we're biased, but uh, I, I think the UK is, is just an outstanding place to come and work. And I know we're both global businesses, but you can still be proud of your home country and what an experience it is to be here. Uh, which kind of uh, a couple of last questions. So one is I'm very excited about what we'll be able to do moving forward next year, because I think the close relationship of what we both provide, immigration, relocation and moving, is such an interesting and intriguing combination of services that I, I believe is going to really enhance our clients' experience. Clients do get a comfort factor when they move to the UK. We just have to keep educating them. You know what, I, I think that is almost the perfect point to actually pause the conversation because I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think sometimes the general perception is more negative than it actually is. There, there is, as you said, there's a lot to be positive about coming and working here and living here. And the process is much perhaps simpler than most people think, certainly more than the press might allude to. Raoul, pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise, Simon. Thank you very much for your time. <laughs>